Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. We've been in a series on a time to act, but I felt driving in this morning to just shift things a little bit, put in perspective. Many moons ago, when my wife and I were called into the full-time ministry, we were traveling evangelists or revivalists, whatever term you would like to use for us. We'd start on a Sunday morning and typically go to a Friday night and see the Lord do great things. We'd start sometimes with a handful of people, and the crowd always grew. God always did great things. We saw people in, I mean, just run to altars, crazy things break off of people, you know, demons manifest, the whole, everything, Mark 16 is not just, I mean, it happens when you preach the word, and, and along the way, I distinctly remember just getting this in my spirit of, of about two years in to full-time ministry, it's not that I was tired, because I actually have a lot of energy usually, but it was like I was at the point like, what am I actually called to do? Because here I am, I'm in the ministry, I'm preaching, um, I'm laying hands on people, we're going out on the streets, we're ministering, we're preaching the gospel, um, I'm counseling pastors. I mean, it got really wild real quickly when you're a traveling minister, all the pastors calling you with their problems and you're trying to help them through and then trying to, st- it was just this whole thing and I, and I realized, man, what am I actually called to do? Because if I got that right, then everything else would be okay. Amen. The Bible says we minister by the grace which has been given unto us from the Lord. And so everybody in here, everybody on the earth, there's a grace that heaven wants to place upon your life for something specific. Thank God we're not all called in the full-time ministry. What a weird world it would be if all we had on television was televangelists. Yeah. <laughs> My gosh. <laughs> but... We're not all called in the ministry. We all have different purposes and different assignments. Many are called into business realms. Many are called as teachers. Many are called as even politicians. You can be called as uh, whatever it is you are called to. The Lord will equip you with divine talents and a passion for that will ultimately lead to a very fulfilling life. I tell everybody, if you are miserable serving the Lord, you are doing it wrong. So be willing to change and see what the Lord has in store for you. But I cried out to the Lord and the Lord told told me, he said, Caleb, I want you to get my church ready. And I was like two years in the ministry. I meditate on this, you know, what does this actually mean? And the first revelation I got as you meditate on it was I thought about when the demoniac child was crying out and, and Jesus was a very kind person, but sometimes he wasn't what we would label kind in his response to people. He was pretty forthright at this time, and he called them faithless and perverse. How many people in here would love for Jesus to look at you and call you faithless and perverse? Or call you a dog? You know what I mean? It's just sometimes what Jesus did, you're like, dang, bro. (laughs) Like, can we get back to the holding baby sheep phase, you know? (laughs) And he was like, you faithless and perverse generation. And that always took out to me, like, why was, was Jesus so direct, you know? And the revelation is simple. It's because Jesus was fed up because he was talking to a people that he had, he was basically insinuating, you should have actually been in a place to have dealt with this, but you were not able to deal with this. So he called them faithless and perverse. 
the, the moral of the story is God doesn't force anything upon us. We have got to decide that we want to grow and be prepared and be ready for what is going to come. And as I meditated on that, I thought, man, why would the Lord say get the church ready unless God knew something was coming down the pike that we are not yet equipped to handle? Let me tell you something right now. There is an agenda from hell to destroy this nation and break the back of the American people. There is a global move, whatever you want to call it, the New World Order that has been spoken of in the Word of God. That just because it's there and just because we understand that will come does not mean that we roll over and let it happen. We are still a resistance force. Amen. Who is a proud member of the resistance? Come on. And so we vocalize, we stand, we pray, we bind, we loose, we preach, we do everything we're supposed to do, and we stand against it. But in the natural, if we do not have an earth-shaking, nation-taking unbelievable, undeniable move of God's spirit upon America and the nations of the world right now, you can just might as well forget your 401k because there's not going to be any purpose with it because everything will come to nothing. The enemy's plan is destruction. God's plan is a breakthrough. I'm on the leaning side of, I still have hope that there, that we are just stirring right now the embers of a fire that is about to explode of a genuine move of God to shake this generation and turn the enemy back on his tails. Amen. Who believes that we will see that? That's why we pray. That's why we grow. That's why we stand. And as we traveled and I began to minister on that, obviously I'm telling people, this is now coming up on, well, over nine years I've been in the ministry of preaching like that. And I look at where we're at right now when the Lord said, get the church ready. And I'm telling you, you're not ready for what's coming. And then I look at where we're at right now. And I'm like, man, no wonder the Lord had me warning people. You've got to pray. You've got to know God. You've got to know him. Yeah. Amen. It's not a time to know about the Lord. It's not a time to have heard a, a great word. It's not a time to, it's a time to know the Lord, to know his presence, to know his spirit, to be in tune with heaven, to hear his voice, to be led by his voice. Because right now we're standing in, a, in an hour where we need a move of God and God needs his people to awake and arise. And uh, every great revival we've ever read about that has ever existed, we think of the key leaders and the speakers, but it's not the key speakers that did it. It's a group of people that got in a place of desperation that pressed past the natural and realized nothing else matters other than God's presence right now. And the Lord responded to that type of atmosphere. And I believe we're in that at the river right now. I believe that's what's drawing us here as a group of people that say, you know what? Come hell or high water, I'm pressing into God. If the America dissolves, I still know who I am because I belong to Jesus Christ. If war breaks out, I'm still standing in the things of God. No matter what happens, I belong to the Lord and I will cling to the Lord all the days of my life. I'm praying for reprieve. Who's with me on that? I pray, God, turn back the tides of darkness. Let wickedness be exposed. My Lord, let everything that is evil be gone away with. May everybody that has mocked our Lord and Savior, may they be held accountable to that. This is our Heavenly Father. I love Him with all that I am. He changed my life. He gave me a brand new lease on things. He gave me a new voice. He gave me a new identity. He called me His own. So don't mock my Heavenly Father. And we're looking at this wickedness being called good. We're looking at everybody that is standing for holiness, and especially those that understand or love the Holy Spirit are being 
mud slung at us everything that can. But in the midst of all of that, everything the Lord knew was going to happen, which how many people realize nothing takes the Lord by surprise. And he sees it all. I, I was told last year as everything broke out, I went to the Lord in prayer and I said, Father, what's happening? And this is what the Lord said. And some of you remember me saying this last year. The Lord said it can go two different ways, Caleb. It can either go all out hell in this nation or it can go where a glorious move of God exists. And he says, the power is resting in my people. So it's like we have to stir our hearts to action and press in for a move of God. Who's with me on that? So I, for one, am laser focused. And I understand, you know what? I'm not running my race to get a certain year old or a certain amount of money in my bank account or anything. I am running my race to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I don't know how much long I got on this earth. Nobody knows the amount of days you have left, but make the days count for the kingdom of God. And as I traveled in the ministry and I asked the Lord this, the Lord began to reveal things to me and I would be in services and people would be touched, people would be crying out under the power of God. And uh, we need to have, I mean, people need to encounter the Lord. When you encounter the Lord, it doesn't, nothing else matters. I mean, for me, I encountered the Lord. I was on a journey. I mean, I could even ran into to bad Christians and I still didn't even care because I was locked in on the Lord. And many of us have experienced that. And I would be there, people would be encountering the Lord and in, in the room, maybe 100, 200 people, whatever, I would focus in on one person that, that wouldn't, I could tell that they weren't getting a breakthrough. I could tell there's resistance. I could tell they didn't know the Lord. They didn't have that. And I would go back to the hotel room and sometimes I would literally cry uh, to the Lord because I'd say, Lord, you know, I know you've called me. I know your desires that everyone would come to know you. And so I'd be like, God, am I the blockage of why that, that person didn't get it? Am I not... Is there something in me? Can you, can you burn more out of me? Can you give me a greater anointing? Can you give me greater wisdom? Can you give me a better ability to speak? Can you give me a, a supernatural word for them? Whatever it is to unlock that heart for you. And I would literally see them in my mind and just think about that person and, and pray and press in. And, and, and maybe the Lord got them later. Maybe what happened didn't happen when I was there, but happened later. But in any case, I would sit there and wrestle with that. And it's like you'd forget a hundred people receiving and you'd think of one that did it. And I, I began to realize over time that the Lord was showing me that what I was actually asking for couldn't happen in a week of meetings. It could only happen over just the word being put in you and put in you and put in you. Sometimes we need massage. Sometimes we need slapped around. Sometimes we need patted on the back. Sometimes we need both at the same time. Someone slapping our cheeks and someone patting us on the back. Amen. Sometimes we just need rebukes. Sometimes we need rep uh, to be reproved. Sometimes we need chastised. Sometimes we need hugged. Who's grateful for godly hugs? Yeah. It's great when the Lord encourages you and you're like, thank you. You know, <laughs> I thought I was a loser. <laughs> we all feel that way too from time to time. Just so you know, when you get in that moment of like, who am I? What am I doing? I'm doing nothing right. Nobody thinks about me. Well, just know everybody else has at one time been exactly at the point. As cool as we try and act in front of everybody, we all like still go home and are like, I can't, I'm a nobody. So let's all be nobodies together. Amen. Because he's everything anyways. 
And so it began to shift our perspective from traveling ministry to pastoring, which pastoring was a major change, just so you know. Like, it's fun to be a traveling minister because you are there for a week and you are out of town. If it really blows up, you'll be there for two weeks, sometimes three weeks, but you just go for it. You just, I mean, you feel like kicking a person, you kick them, because you're going out of town anyways. Close your eyes, lift your hands. Whoppa! I've never done that, but I've read about people that do it. <laughs> Who wants prayer? Come forward. Shippa! And uh, so it was a lot of fun, but I felt the shifting and the passion to change, and I, I, we both read the writing on the wall. Now, my wife, she, was, she's, she knows a lot more than me. I'm the, di- the guy that just leaps and never asks questions. I just go after things full-heartedly. She's got more wisdom than I do. So she was like, you know, let's pray, let's pray this thing through because pastoring is not what you think. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Pray it through. She really prayed it through, and I was just like, let's do it. And uh, we become pastors. As we're making the transition, I was very honest with the Lord, and I said to the Lord, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Which I recommend be honest with the Lord. And, and you actually have to focus on that because we are so accustomed to lying to people around us. We put up a fake face, fake everything, that it trickles into our relationship with the Lord. And we're fake with the Lord and we're fake with ourselves. And then we're like, well, how did I get here? You've been being fake for too long. Sometimes you got to be real. And sometimes you got to be humble. Sometimes you got to be like, I need help. Amen. Well, like I like to say, the three hardest things in the world to say Forgive me, I need help, and Worcestershire sauce. (laughs) That's a tongue twister every time. It depends where you're at. Where I grew up, it's Worcestershire. Worcestershire. We don't even bother trying to make a whole word. Worcestershire. What would you say? Worcestershire. What? But then again, we pronounce mustard, moosterd, too. You want some moosterd on your sandwich? I don't want a moosterd on anything I'm about to eat. (laughs) Nothing like fresh moosterd on a sandwich. What are you talking about? That's desperation level right there. I don't care if you tell me it is full of greens. There are some greens I don't want to eat. So I cried out to the Lord, and the Lord said, there's three things I want you to focus on as a church. Proclamation, transformation, and consecration. So from day one, before I ever stepped here, I knew what the Lord was saying as he said that to me. Number one, proclamation. It is an hour. The, The power of the church has always been that we are called to preach the gospel. The gospel is a heart message, not a head message. Think about the complexity of a church setting like this, where... There's 300 or whatever's in the room right now. How do you ever preach one message to make a minister that has been in the ministry for 40 years and a person that just arrived today all progress forward towards more of God? It is absolutely impossible without the Holy Spirit and the power of a living word. Amen. Because you can testify if you've been serving the Lord for a while that you can read a bit of scripture you have read a hundred times and suddenly like a lightning bolt. You see what you never saw before, and it feeds deep into your spirit 
and you realize why the Bible is called the living word of God. It is alive, it is potent, it is fresh, it's not dead, it's not antiquated, it is still relevant. You don't even have to change the translation that you use, it's still relevant, amen. Which just so you know, I read a bunch of different translations. People get caught up. When I got saved, everybody told me, if it ain't King James, you're going to hell. So I'd sit there and read King James, you know, and be like, thee thou, thou is this, that. And I'm, I'm from like public school system of Tennessee. I'm like, Lord, what are you saying here? No, truly, I'd get like a revelation and I would share it at church. And they were like, that is not what that says at all. I'm like, whatever, whatever. So bounce around a little bit, read multiple ones, and then you'll get a balanced message. Okay, if all you ever ate was steak, even though steak is good, it's eventually going to get old. Get some potatoes, get some broccoli, get some cheese, finish with some pie. So make sure you're understanding what you're reading. But we're called to proclaim the gospel. Uh, put it this way, how do we stand? Has anybody ever looked at the world right now and said this, what can we do to change things, yeah. right? Because a lot of us, a lot of people vocalize problems, which some people might accuse me of just a vocalization of problems. When I talk about the, 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 you know, everything going on in the nation, the political realm, the, the global agenda, the money market, money is fake, it's all made up. These things are all man-made entities that the enemy uses to bombard and change our lives. Meanwhile, we've got to focus on the Lord. But sometimes it feels like the only thing you can do is pray or just speak out what is happening. And when God called Jeremiah, the Lord actually said, I'm putting my words in your mouth. See that today I have placed you over the nations to root out, to pull down, to throw down. Come on. Speaking of throwing down, who was at the midget wrestling on Thursday night? Bucket lift. If, if, if I died today, I will be able to stand with my head held up high in front of the Apostle Paul and be like, yeah, 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 yeah. You never saw this. For eternity, I have bragging rights. All the apostles will just sit there and be like, Caleb, we were just, you know, what did we do? We shook cities. You saw midgets wrestle. I know. I actually shook hands with little Southern Brawler. I mean, we were like, boom, never washing this hand again. Have fun in life, people. It was, and I will give it to you. These guys were legit, they were legit athletes. I mean, it was incredible to watch midget wrestling. Bucket list, checked off. Throw down, root out, pull down, and destroy. Back to the word. Keep it holy, people. Thought I forgot where I was. And so how was he placed over the nations? And how was he called to root out, throw down, pull down, and destroy, and then build and plant? Because the Lord said, I put my words in your mouth. So how was he doing it? Was he actually going with a hammer? No, he was going with the word of the Lord. And Jeremiah is the one that said, the Lord spoke through him. Is not my word like a hammer, saith the Lord, that breaks the rock into pieces. And like a fire. You gotta say fire like that. And Jeremiah said, it's just like a fire shut up in my bones. 
We got to have that fire of the word of God on the inside of us. When Jeremiah said, it's like a fire shut up in my bones, he actually was saying what the Lord was telling him to say. He said, I don't want to say it, but it's like a fire shut up in my bones, so I cannot contain it. God, God is looking for a body, a bride, a movement, a group, a person. He's looking for you to boldly proclaim what God is going to do in the nations of the world and in this generation, in this hour. This is not the hour of defeat. This is not the hour of darkness encroaching. This is the hour of the light shining brighter than it has ever shined before. This is the hour of the greatest harvest of souls this world has ever seen. You can't break us. You can't shut us down. We are, we are filled with something beyond this world. Hallelujah. If you feel that's true, shout amen. amen. Sometimes all we have is the word. When you speak the word, there's power release. There's power release. We are all saved and know the Lord because someone spoke the word around us and it hit us. It bypassed our little brain and it hit our heart and we are now walking proof of the power of the word of God. Amen. Amen. When we go to pray Friday night, that's why we're praying. Prayer has power. We vocalize the word of God and speak things out. Amen. We proclaim. The Bible says one believes in their heart but confesses with their mouth. Then the Lord spoke to me. He said transformation. So important to realize that God wants to do a transforming work in every single person. God wants to take the person that you would say is a dirty, rotten sinner and turn them into a Holy Ghost tornado. God is in the business of redeeming people's stories. Actually, he's in the business of taking a story, deciding that that book doesn't work and starting a brand new book for your life where you're a brand new creation. For the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He's in the power of transforming lives. And on that note, I want you to realize something that really needs to be on this body or this, this generation is an understanding of not just following something that's popular, not just following charismatic things, and not just following what many people flock to, but realizing the truth of is their godly character with what I'm surrounding myself with right now. Because there are people in this hour that have all the gifts and all the talents, but they have not let the word of God transform themselves. And so, yes, they can draw a crowd. Yes, they can do this. Yes, they can be this way. But if they don't, if the word of God has not transformed them personally, then why would you listen to that person? You have to realize that the Lord said, look for fruit for a reason. You look at people's fruit. I remember when we went in the ministry, uh, her dad always used to say, when you would go in, in the ministry and you travel around, always look at the pastor's wife. Because if she looks like death warmed up, things are wrong in the church. That's why I always tell my wife, spend extra time on your makeup this morning. <laughs> I never have to tell my wife that. I do the opposite. I'm like, babe, you look great. Stop putting on more makeup. You look like a fine thing right now. She's like, it's not for you. It's for me. (laughs) 
I'm totally that guy. Do you notice anything different? Uh, your hair, your, your eyes, your eye color, your, your face color, your makeup, your, 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 your perfume. What am I getting warm? But it's important to realize our first focus is may God transform me. Lord, do a work in me. May that work not stop until I stand in front of you. Because I am not so arrogant as to say that I am perfect as I am. And I understand that if anybody's got to grow, I've got to grow. How shameful would it be for any of us to decide that we don't need to grow in the things of God from this day forward. You will cut off the life-flowing presence of, of the Holy Spirit because you have refused to change. This generation has a message of you don't have to change. they got to love you like you are. I understand that, but it's producing a selfish, narcissistic society where we don't allow the Lord to work on us and we act like we got it all together. Ain't nobody in this room got it all together? We all got a part. We prophesy in part. We know in part. You've got to stay humble before the Lord and let the word of God work in you. Amen. Amen. Sometimes the Lord will rebuke you from a pastor. Sometimes the Lord will rebuke you from your own children. Sometimes you just got to be sensitive to the leading of the Lord and keep yourself humble and say, I'm going to grow. I'm going to grow. I'm going to get, I'm going to get more wisdom from God because he's going to pour that out daily in my life. I'm going to learn as I go. I'm going to admit when I do wrong and I'm going to get myself right. I'm going to let God to transform me because if God is allowed to transform you, that's the key. Get the church ready. Get the church ready. Well, how do we get ready? By letting the Lord do that work, that refining fire that burns out and burns out. And this thing surfaces and that thing surfaces. And he's along the way with his grace to scoop it off and get you more and more Christ-like. Come on. Our identity is to model ourselves like Christ Jesus, not like the newest social media person. It's to be like the Lord. Amen. How was Jesus? Jesus was incredible. He was awesome. He was full of love. He was full of boldness. He was powerful. He was kind. He walked in authority and he had the spirit without measure. But Jesus even said, don't call me good. Only call the father above good. Jesus was a humble person that walked the earth that carried upright power. Let God transform you. Don't just criticize everything in the world and not let the Lord do a work on your life too. Amen. So you got to be transformed. The Bible says, 1 Timothy 1.19, powerful scripture. Cling to your faith in Christ. Keep your conscience clear. Some people have deliberately violated their consciences, and as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. As you follow the Lord, when you screw up, if you screw up, I'm not saying you have to screw up, but if you do, do not sear your conscience and cut off the voice of the Lord and just act like it's okay. Get back before the Lord. Amen. Cry out again like David when his sin was exposed. He sackcloth and ashes and cried out to the Lord in great repentance. And because of that, the Lord responded to his cry for help. Amen. Church, realize, man, we have, we're walking and we're through fear and trembling. We're letting the Lord work things in us and out of us that we could grow to the stature that God has called us to be at. But if the Lord is wanting to do something in the nations of the world right now, he needs a strong bride, one that won't crumble just because things around her come to nothing. Come on, is your faith strong enough that if America fell tomorrow 
if war broke out tomorrow, if all the money in your bank account was worthless, if you woke up and every television station was playing a communist regime, are you strong enough to still say the Lord is good and the Lord is on my side? Are you strong enough to look people that come at you and, and threaten your life if you stand for God? Are you strong enough to handle that moment? Come on, you're like, it'll never happen. It has happened before. History repeats itself, as they say, but really it's because people repeat themselves. Because the enemy's plan is still the enemy's plan, to kill, steal, and destroy. And he's done it in previous generations. He's brought things forward and he's destroyed lives. But let me tell you something. You read the book of martyrs, Fox's book of martyrs, and you read about people that gave their life for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Which, just so you know, if you studied out, just to have this word available to you right now in a language you can understand, thousands of people were killed to make sure that the word was brought to the everyday person because they read it and they counted it that this is for everyone and not some ruling elitism. Thank God for someone that realized, I'll give my life if Jesus is known. Like the song we sing, I'll die and be forgotten as long as you get the glory, God. There's got to be a fire in you to realize I am not living just to have a hunky-dory life. I am living because there is one after me. His, his presence is all I need. His kingdom is all I live for. He's my all in all, my everything. And to hear the words, well done, thy good and faithful servant, is what my life is all about. They can sling mud at me. They can call me a crazy preacher. They can call me a Jesus freak. But as long as I'm known for my relationship with the Lord, that's all that matters to me. You shout it from the rooftops. But he's the real deal. He's the awesome one. He's what I live for. To me, to die is gain and to live is Christ, Paul said. So if there's breath in my body, let me point you to the one that has the solution. And if there's no longer breath in my body, guess what? Don't cry over me, Argentina. Because this boy is frolicking on streets of gold and, and riding on the back of my lion that the Lord has laid up for me. Come on, you know it's true. When you get to heaven, you'll be looking for me. There's Pastor Caleb on the back of a lion. Frankie the lion. Rah! But allow God to transform your life. As good as you know him now, he's better. Amen. As great as your revelation is of the goodness of God, it can get better. Amen. As great as anything you've seen, it can get sweeter. I mean, that's the beauty. We're, when we talk about transforming our lives, we're not talking about a miserable process. We're talking about a delightful process. One that makes your life sweeter. One that makes things better. One that gives you a hope and a future so that everybody else can be afraid. And you're like, I'm not afraid. I know how this is going to work out. It's going to work together for good because I love him and I'm called according to his purpose. Come on. That doesn't mean everything's good around me. It just means when it comes to me, it has to work together for good because I'm called and I love him. Amen. So the dollar can collapse tomorrow, but I'll still have food in my refrigerator. You say, how do you know that? Because I've given all of my money away before, and every time I open my refrigerator door, food was in that refrigerator. <laughs> say, God multiplies food. Yes, he multiplies food. Amen. Tap into it now. Don't wait until it's too late, but learn to live a life where Christ is your source. He fills you with hope. He fills you with joy. 
He gives you an understanding and he gives you a word to speak. Amen. Amen. And that's why he gives us family. Because when we, we come around, we sharpen one another. Last one, the Lord said, consecration. Now, transformation is God in us. For if a man in, is in Christ, he's a new creation. It's God working in us. Consecration is when we get to a point where God has worked so much through us or in us that he can begin to work through us. Consecration is what the whole church is called to. This is not something that you're called to in the ministry. Consecration does not mean I'm going into the full-time ministry. Consecration means I've allowed the Lord to work in me so that he can begin to work through me. Man, the bride has got to do the work of the ministry. Amen. There are so many people even right here in Claremont, Florida, that need an encounter with the Lord. They need someone to walk in and give them a hope and a future, give them love and pour the, the fresh anointing oil upon them and be strong enough to just keep coming in love to bring about a difference and a change in their lives. God is calling you to a place of consecration where you lay your life at the foot of Jesus and you realize there are many talents. You're talented. You're an incredible person. Even if you haven't discovered your talents, I can tell you, God did not make you talentless. Everybody in this room, God put incredible things on the inside of you. I mean, you're special and an amazing person. But consecrations, when you come to realize that, number one, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on, I matter. Amen. The Lord made me, but in all that he made me, I can literally build my own life or I can take those talents those giftings, and I can place them right at the foot of Jesus and say, man, you anointed me for this and you gave me this talent, but I put it at your feet and I say, you build and use through me whatever you want to do. My life is not my own. I lay it down for you, Christ Jesus. And then the Lord begins to develop you and take you in places you've never dreamed possible of going. When the Lord called me, I never thought I would be a preacher. And yet, because I was scared of public speaking. I was raised on a dairy farm. I'm comfortable around a group of cattle, but I was not comfortable around a group of people. <laughs> True story. I grew up in, in the, it's, uh, I mean, I even stood down a stampede of cows when I'm like eight years old. I was not scared of stampeding cattle. I stood up there and screamed and they turned around, but people made me nervous. My heart would beat. I would lose sight of everything. I'd be like hyperventilating. You know, like choking on my own spit, and I still do that. You know, every other public speaker is wonderful and elegant, and I'm like, <laughs> like, like, thanks, God. You know, I guess Moses stuttered. I get to choke on my spit from time to time, and my voice still cracks. I'm 38 years old, and I sound like I'm a pubescent boy. Jesus. Oh, yeah. You're like, come on, God, give me like a man voice. I want to be like, thus saith the Lord. I get up there and I'm like, somebody say Jesus. Oh. <laughs> and then on top of that, I have like a built-in radar for problems. I, like everybody, other ministers, they'll get up and they'll like, there's like a thousand people. They'll call a person, they'll stand up and they'll like prophesy something great over them. They're like, yes, it's confirmation. Da -da -da -da, and everybody shouts. I'll be the guy that goes up to the one person that's just like, Rah! True story, this Friday night in Tampa, I'm preaching. It's a great night. I'm like, who wants the fire? I'm praying for people. And then I felt, let's shut down the broadcast, and I'm thankful I felt that. 
I'm like, shut down the cameras. And I went up to one lady, the first person in a group of several hundred people. I walk right up to her and I place hand, my hands on her. That lady turns. I have never heard a person cuss like this lady cuss. Instantaneous. F and F, 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 blah, blah. I mean, I was like, what have I done? Like, I should have just shifted to the person right there and it would have been like this great moment. Everybody would be like, yeah, the Lord is good. I got, I got the, a, a woman that make a sailor blush. I mean, just F you, F this, F that, F that, touch me, don't you touch me, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm like, this is, this, is, this is not right. So I stood my ground. Kirsten comes and hugs her. She's kicking Kirsten. She's swinging. She's cussing. Cops start running in. I mean, it was like a great moment, you know. <laughs> these, are, these are the moments we live for as ministers, you know what I'm saying? Like, people think ministry is great. Like, hey, you know, it's so wonderful to be a minister. Oh, it's super fun, let me tell you. <laughs> Like, and so, you know, finally I get her to some bit of calm down where she's not just screaming cuss words. And she's like, why did you bleep and signal, single me out? There's a hundred of people here. You bleep and signal me. And I'm like, ma'am, I did not single you out. Jesus did. And then she's just like, "Mm -hmm," you know, and I was like, do you love Jesus? She's like, "Mm yeah. Yeah. Okay, we can work with this. We, we can work with this. This is like a breakthrough moment, you know? And so I'm calling her by her name. Finally, she just storms off and she leaves the field. My heart's grieving. I'm still praying for people. You know, people are still running up like, I actually want prayer. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> Moments we live for, you know? At the end of the whole night, when everybody leaves, there's a handful of us left. And the woman comes right back to me. She had, she had ran out, and the Lord had dealt with her heart. And she came running back to the field. She walked right up to me, and she had tears in her eyes. And she said, I want to humble myself and tell you. Because when I was, was talking with her, I said, you need healing in your body, don't you? And I was like, Jesus, that's why Jesus singled you out, because he wants to heal your body tonight. And she was like, still cussing, but that's what calmed her down. She came. She said, I, I, I know it's demonic in my life. I need freedom from this demonic attack. And I do need healing in my body. And I said, well, then that's enough. Let's come in agreement. And I grabbed her and I was like, you foul, tormenting spirit from hell, come out. And then she's like, that's it. You know. <laughs> I mean, it's, seriously, like, they're, they're just like, oh, my gosh. No, silence. <laughs> it's like, we're, I'm glad my kids stayed home tonight. Like. And she's like, ah, free. And then she falls out. We get her. She asks Jesus in her heart. Then she gets filled with the Holy Ghost. She starts praying in tongues. And we pray for her. I mean, it was awesome. It was awesome. But see, the average person would look at that and just walk away. Be like, this person is so far gone. But we are not the average people in this church. We understand that God wants to get right in the middle of that mess. And Jesus is not offended if you use every curse word under the sun. He'll stay right there and still say, I love you. 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 Until he breaks hell off of your life. That's what it's about. Consecration. It's about getting to a place where you've let God work things through you to where you can stand as a person the Lord can use when he needs to use someone. 
It's not ministry. I mean, it's not public ministry. It's, it's just living the Christian life. It's being the vessel that Christ can move through. So every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, it says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you're his dear children. Live a life that's filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. God wants to use your life in wonderful ways. Paul wrote to Timothy in the second letter, speaking about in houses, there are houses, there are vessels of honor and dishonor, vessels of gold and silver that are used for precious tasks, and vessels of wood and, 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 and clay that are used for menial tasks. And he used the terminology, he said, therefore, if you would keep yourself pure or be pure, the Lord can use you as a vessel of honor. When we talk about consecrating our lives and allowing the Lord to transform us, what we're saying is, by my own free will, I choose to grow in you, God, to grow in my walk with you and my understanding of your word, to grow up spiritually and be a believer that you can use when you need to use someone. But it's by your free will because God will never force things upon you. He's a good God. He's a wonderful God. And he loves you very much. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.